This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. Hi, everybody. Welcome to, well, welcome to the dog days of summer. We're, we're deep into August now at this point. I'm Steve Martirano, and this program is called Recovery Radio. We're here talking in, the, uh, in, in very broad terms now about something that you're hearing more and more about every day, and that's behavioral health. And that covers a lot of ground, and uh, that's what we try to do here on Recovery Radio. The whole thing is sponsored by uh, Retreat Behavioral Health, and we're going to find out uh, what, what they're about with uh, the source of, uh, of what's going on at, at Retreat, and that is uh, our good friend and, as I said, sponsor of the program, CEO and founder of Behavioral Health, Peter Shore. Peter joins us. From time to time on the program, we like to bring him in to get the global view, the view from way up on on high where he operates, um, and and sort of get a state of the state of affairs with regard to again this issue of behavioral health. Peter Shore, welcome to Recovery Radio. Good to see you again. Good to see you, Steve. Thanks for noticing my tan. Yeah, you look great. You guys come up from Florida. I look like a ghost. So we were at Long Beach Island over the last week, and I thought I'm not leaving here. <laughs> Some tan. You fell asleep, right? Or, or in trouble. Of course. What else can you do on the <laughs> on the beach? Uh, uh, Peter, yeah, again, I know you're busy and I know you're – yep, stuff to get to. So let, let, let's, get to, let's get to it. Now, something occurred that the, the, the radio program has done a, a, a month of programs on, and that's a panel you guys put together at your West Palm Beach facility on, I think, July 24th, a couple of weeks back. A distinguished panel. The topic was – uh, the uh, cri- mental health crisis in protecting our youth. Um, tell us how it went. It was a great event. We had a, a, a big turnout, almost 500 people. Uh, a lot of great questions were asked, which is really important. A lot of kids got up and asked questions. A lot of kids are, are scared. They want to know what do they do if they're feeling a certain way. And, and the expert panel that we had kind of guided them where they should go and that's that's it's, it's all about education and, and they did a great job on the panel five five hundred people is a terrific turnout um wh- what sort of aspects of the community do they represent you mentioned students who else was there oh every aspect parents students uh law law enforcement enforcement uh you know every aspect of 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 human humans that's out there that want to know what's going on with their with their kids especially is was you know Wanted to ask questions. Wanted to know, you know, what do I do? What yeah. do I do? You, you must be encouraged by that because you are. You certainly have seen a time when the only people concerned about issues regarding substance abuse or behavioral health or mental health were people who were directly affected by it, and they weren't talking to anybody because of the stigmas attached. Exactly. So, so you, you're seeing people who perhaps might not even be affected by it now asking these questions. We do, and and again, the the right word you use is the stigma about mental illness. And we wanted to break down those barriers so people could understand that if they see something out of the ordinary, if they have questions, that they they have the right resources they can go to and ask them. You know, there was a time uh, in our lifetimes, for for sure, where the cancer, for instance, uh, wasn't it wasn't a, there wasn't a stigma attached to cancer, but cancer was so terrifying and so often deadly um, that people didn't talk about it. You, you just didn't what, – what's wrong with Uncle Harry? Well, Uncle Harry's sick. You never said the C word. Um, there was a fear-induced kind of stigma around talking about cancer. Now cancer, you know, a lot of people get, you know, a lot of people get, get better from cancer. It's, it's, more, it's more chronic than it is deadly. We gotta, we're moving slowly towards that, that realization about mental health and substance abuse. 
aren't we? I, I agree with you 100%. You know, it, it, it's always been the let's not talk about it and it'll go away. And people are, are realizing because it's out. It's more. It's out in the forefront now. It's in. It's on all the news programs. You read about it on the internet. All you read about is, is the opioid crisis, mental health issues. So now people have questions about it. Now they don't feel as embarrassed to talk about it. But you'd be surprised how how people still feel. You know, I don't want to get caught with that stigma that I have a mental illness, and you know, and they don't want to. They think once they're labeled that for their life, that they can't get jobs, they can't have relationships. But it's not like that. They really, you know, no reason for people to suffer. Yeah. In your experience, uh, for instance, is the business community um, uh, uh, conscious of that, that it's not that it's not something that should preclude hiring somebody just because they have a maybe a background in mental illness? Uh, you know, I can't speak for, for every industry, but, you know, it, it's still there. I mean, there's still a stigma of people are afraid of people with mental illness because they don't know the extent of it and know what could happen with it. You know, it, not every mental illness is the same. And, and you know, depending on, on what you're identifying and, and what the behaviors are, you know, some of them are, are so minute that, you know, it, it wouldn't affect anybody in what they're doing in work. Let's take a moment and discuss some of these differences because I think it's important. Right now, we know – we know what's going on in this country with, with regard to violence in general. There, there, I, I fear there is a danger that what's going to emerge from the notion of mental health is, is crazy, psychotic, dangerous equals mental sure. health problems. Again, that's always been the identification of people with mental illness. They're dangerous uh, and psychotic. And, that, and they're not all like that. What you're, what you're seeing now in, 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 in these unfortunate Shootings that have taken place over the last couple of weeks is is young people that in some cases were identified as having problems at an early age that nothing was done about it. Uh, I think now in, in in this day and age when when things are identified, we really need to act on it immediately and not wait for a, a disaster like what happened the last couple of days. And uh, there's no other way around this. I mean, we put a lot on teachers and schools to begin with. Um, in in both troubled communities and affluent communities, they're expected to do a lot besides reading and arithmetic. But but they're really there. They're the ones that are with these kids at a young age all day long. They got to do a better job identifying this stuff. You know, a, a meeting with young people and listening to their to their questions that they have about you know where do I go for resources and things like that. It's not as as prominent in schools as you think that they have the resources to take care of this. And most of the kids question, like, you know, they'll go talk to someone and they don't, they don't, they don't really have the expertise or knowledge on where they should go to get some help. Uh, there's many, many resources out there. Uh, you know, one of the good ones we have is in in, in Florida is, is what's called 211, which is a suicide prevention hotline. But that's they do much more than that. They actually they actually talk about different resources if you call. They're not trained therapists on the phone, but they'll give you a list of resources that you can go and access so you can get the help that you need. And that's important that people understand that there is help out there. Mm -hmm. They have to learn how to get it and where to go. And I guess another thing that has to change is that we, we um, as a community, need to be more proactive about this stuff. Right now, we're, we usually react to a situation. A kid is a problem. And then he gets counseling. Right. We need to get in front of that, right? Well, it's it, not only that. A lot of parents say, you know, my kid is not a problem. He doesn't have a problem where they – obviously they do. And some of the kids are calling out and they're screaming out to help for their parents. And the parents say, you know, there's nothing wrong with you. Just, you know, tighten your belt. You'll be fine. 
and and you know seeing what's going on in our society now with you know all these violent crimes that happens from young people you know if they were identified young and it's not saying that it wouldn't happen i mean there's no there's no cookie cutter thing that says this if you do this this will happen but you know a lot of times if you identify kids who have problems at a younger age and you treat that you have a much better outcome later in life Parents have to get on board here and understand what's what's happening. It, more than more than once over the past month, I've seen depicted on in television dramas a situation where a parent went into a uh, counselor or a principal, and the principal said, "Look, Johnny, uh, Jane, they, get, they had issues. They're not sleeping. They can, and knee jerk immediately. Not my kid. Not my kid. You're wrong. Not my kid. You know, in in Florida, as I discussed with you earlier, is. Uh, starting this school semester, all kids in sixth grade are going to be mandated to have mental health education. That's a start. That's a real start. We need to have more forums open for, for parents, though, so they can understand it. Because if a kid goes to a parent and is, is not feeling right and they go to a parent, look, I, I'm, I'm feeling anxious on this and that, and a parent you know, shrugs it off and doesn't go, you know, let me, let me, let's get some help for you, nothing's changed. You, you know what's interesting? Uh, he- hearing you say about the Florida model, Dan, I know the first lady of Florida is Don't really... Don't say Florida model around me. No, no, sorry. <laughs> sorry, you're right. <laughs> um, what they're doing in Florida, the uh, first lady's the driving force of this thing. You know, it's interesting just hearing you talk about it. It takes it out of the individual, my kid, something wrong with my kid, yeah. puts it in the classroom. It's not a, uh, as I understand the program, it's not a um, psych evaluation. It's no. a... Education. We, we have had... From the beginning of schools, we all went to hygiene class where we were learned about venereal disease and all of that stuff. Same thing. How to wash your hands. Same thing. Of course. Only now about your head. Right. And to to try to identify things, what's going on. And again, though, you know, a kid who's 12 years old has to convince their parents that I have a problem. You know, I need help. Can you can you? find the right help for me and and parents can't be in denial and they have to say oh if my kid is crying out let me try to do something about yeah. it well and you say in florida they're going to begin it in sixth grade yeah so 12 years that makes old. them 12 years old yeah. um that can only be good in as i said in the classroom context the kid who is troubled who is feeling uh, in, uh, in a dark place sitting in a room finding out that a lot of people may feel like that yeah. Uh, it can it can only be a very positive thing. Is that is that in operation right now? It starts this semester. Actually, it starts school starts next week. Do you know who's going to teach that? Uh, are they going I, to be? I don't. I, I I don't know who who is the uh, who fac- facilitating those that education piece in the schools. But you know, hopefully, it's people with experience. Yeah. Because there are in most schools they have uh, you know ch- child psychologists involved right. or or social workers who are experienced in. In dealing with mental health. So when, when, when I hear, and, and, and it's kind of heartbreaking when a kid, like a 14-year-old kid got up and said, you know, I, I went to my school. They did nothing for me. And, and you know, it's kind of sad because it, it's you're in school most of the day. You know, your parents, you, you're a different relationship when you're home as you are in school. And, and if, if they kids come and they're crying out to you, find a way to help them. Yeah. You know, give them some resources. Absolutely. Absolutely. Maybe be able to do it. Before you have to call a parent in, yeah, uh, which would we, and, that, and that's another thing. You know, kids, we we want them to be able to to feel free to talk about something and not have. You know, we always talk about stigma, but we also don't want to have the parents get involved. Where sometimes the parents are the problem. Yeah, you know, so we ha- they have to be able to talk and they have to be able to talk freely. 
Our guest is Peter Shore. Peter is the founder and CEO of Retreat Behavioral Health. We have more with him. Stay with us. This is Recovery Radio. Welcome back to Recovery Radio. Steve Martorano with you. Guest in the studio, Peter Shore. Peter is the founder and CEO of Retreat Behavioral Health, and he's here with us uh, every now and then. We always uh, appreciate his time to give us a broad overview of what's going on with regard to behavioral health in the country right now. We have been focusing a bit on something that occurred in uh, West Palm at uh, Peter's facility in West Palm, a uh, panel put together that discussed um, the issue of a mental health crisis in this country, uh, how it's particularly affecting young people and how they can be protected. Uh, Peter, how big is it? How big is the problem in your view with regard to, you know, mental health in kids? I, I think it's a lot bigger than people think. I think that, you know, our, our, our field has always been, you know, substance abuse and, and, and alcohol. Uh, it's called SUD, substance use disorder. Uh, a lot of that pertains to people's mental health issues that go untreated. And, you know, unfortunately, when, when it goes untreated and, and they're feeling this pain they're feeling from their mental illness, illness the, the thing that they do is, is, is go to substance to numb themselves from it. So it, it's, it's, it's a vicious cycle that if you don't treat the mental health aspect of it, nothing gets better on the addiction side. It's not new to guys uh – like you, because I've, I've been, you know, you guys have been involved in the program for years now. So I've see, seen and heard this. I've heard this from your your some of your great employees who worked for other people before they even got here. And very early on, the people around you and the people here have talked about this connection. It's, so, so it's worth reminding people what 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 the relationship is between mental health and substance abuse. I'd say eighty percent of the people that come in for substance abuse problems have a mental health issue. Eighty. Eighty percent. And going untreated, if you don't treat the mental health aspect of it, uh, the addiction piece is, 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 you know, could be pushed to the side because the reason they're using and abusing is because the mental illness has gone so untreated and, and, and how they feel this hopelessness. They just they need to numb themselves with something, and substance is the easiest thing to reach for. Sure. Well, why is it taking the, the, uh, the uh, treatment um, establishment in all of its, its forms? so long to understand that. Is it because the effect of substance abuse is so pronounced and obvious that you, you've got to look at that before you can look at anything else and maybe you'll, you ignore no, that other thing? I mean, you, you shouldn't ignore it. Look, when someone comes in obviously toxic, it's hard to diagnose their mental illness because you know they're not thinking on all cylinders right away. But you have to understand the, the, the mental health aspect of it that, that it has to go coincide with the addiction piece. And, and when they're getting treatment, you have to take that into consideration. So when they're detoxed and they're coming off of their detox medication, you need to do a real full assessment of someone and find out what, what's going on. What, you know, especially someone, repeaters, who, you know, recidivism is, is big in our industry. But why? Why is it big in our industry? Because nothing gets treated on the mental health side. So if we treat that mental health side, the recidivism goes way down. Yeah, it's interesting how, um, confusing this thing has been for so long uh, with, with regard to treating it. You're right, particularly in the uh, in the relapse area. Folks on the outside go, well, what's wrong with that fool? I mean, he just keeps doing it. There's the question. And, and the question is psychological to a large extent. Why are you making the, this decision? Yeah, no, I, I, why we as, as, a, as a facility doing what our decision was to treat the whole person on a holistic uh, basis because we believe that the mental health aspect of it is 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 as or more important 
in the addiction piece. Let's talk about that for a second because we, we have, we, we've cleared one hurdle in terms of treating um, substance abuse, and that is the, breaking down the uh, um, the, the um, notion that you can't substitute one drug for another. We know that med- medicine addiction treatment can help a lot of people. Do you worry, though, that too many people think that's a magic bullet and they'll forget about everything else? Uh, you know, it can be a magic bullet that people, you know, they think that's the crutch like any drug. But again, you know, it, it's a lot about harm reduction now. You know, a lot of kids are dying. A lot of people are dying from their disease. So if you can find a way to keep them whole and and then, you know, keep them functioning and keep them, you know, able to go for mental health help, you know, the other piece on the MATs, may, you know, it, it, it may go away. You know, it, it's not meant to be forever. But you need to stabilize someone. So if you can stabilize someone and give them the mental health uh, treatment that they need, the other part will go away eventually. It's interesting. For the longest time, the an analogy would be made between a disease like diabetes and substance abuse. I mean, yeah. the, the, it's a very uh, there are there are similarities, but a stark difference that you just described is that someone's going to be on insulin. For the rest of their lives, sure. if they're a diabetic, they don't have to be on Vivitrol or Suboxone for the rest of their lives. No, but you got to remember, some people who have, suffer from mental illness or, 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 or chemically dependent, they have to take drugs the rest of their life, you know, in, in order to function like you and I. And and they need that, that aspect of their life to be taken care of on a daily basis. So we look at MAT, a lot of people look at it as, oh, you're replacing one drug with another. No, you're not. You're replacing something that's deadly and harmful to someone. Like any drug you give to someone, if someone has cancer, that's a deadly disease. You give them medication to fix it. You know, you can call it whatever you want, but it's, that's what you're doing. Yeah, I find people don't understand the difference between uh, uh, being um, dependent upon it, uh, to, to being addicted to a drug and dependent upon it. Nobody talks about insulin, right. uh, a person using the insulin as addicted. To, There's a big difference between dependent and, 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 and addicted to a drug. And again, we have to, you know, the, the, the rooms of AA and NA have notoriously, you know, looked down on people who are on MAT. They, they, they've changed that, that mentality a little, and, they, and they're accepting people because you don't want people dying. You know, you, you, it's a deadly disease that they have, and we have to treat it with the medication and the medicine that's, that's prescribed to them. Well, the area of harm, harm reduction that you talked about has confused a lot of people. They, they, sure. they Initially, I think this is changing, but initially, as you know, people looked at safe injection sites, needle exchanges, or, uh, even, uh, even uh, Narcan. As enabling, when it was just look, we can stop. We got to stop people from dying. People are dying. Yes, Peter Shore, our guest here on Recovery Radio. More with Peter straight ahead. Don't go away. Welcome back to Recovery Radio. We'll uh, return to our conversation with Peter Shore straight ahead. But I'm going to talk about his his uh, his company and his business. Peter is the founder and CEO of Retreat Behavioral Health, and they have been involved in this program for going on I think five five years now, um, and. Uh, um, Peter's in front of me, and I've told you know he he and I know this story well. But when he uh, signed a board here, he he as a sponsor of the program, he he knew immediately that the idea that this can't be an infomercial, strictly speaking, it can't be an infomercial. It's got to be educational and informational. And he didn't blink. He said, "Of course, that's what it's got to be." So I've always appreciated that. I just don't think a show like this works if you're going to sit here all day and say this is the only place you're going to get healthy. Uh, Peter doesn't believe that. Um, and he sponsors the show in that spirit. Now, having said that, and this is me talking, not Peter, they're good. 
I've seen them. I've, I've seen this facility. They help lots and lots of people. But once again, this is about you getting the information you need regarding now a wider range than just substance abuse and treatment. And that's, a, that's the spectrum of mental health uh, in, and behavioral health. So when I give you uh, Retreat's phone number, and I tell you this every week, um, I hope you never have to use this. But in a crunch, it can make a difference. They'll, they'll answer questions. That's, did I get that right? They'll answer, the, they'll answer the questions for you. So I give you the phone number, anything you've heard on this program, anything. Maybe you got a question about your, the treatment you're getting now. I mean, they'll give you they'll give you their best uh, information on it at retreat. 855-859-8808. 855-859-8808. Retreat Behavioral Health. Peter Shure, their uh, founder and CEO, our guest in the studio. Um, Peter, let's talk a little bit about your broader purview now because I know a lot of people who, who know you solely as a substance abuse treatment facility might be wondering what – what does it mean now that you call yourself a behavioral health facility? Well, here in Pennsylvania, we also have a mental health license, residential and outpatient. So we are a complete behavioral health company. We, I mean, we, I, I considered us that before because we always treated people with the mental health issues. But now, you know, being licensed for that, it's a little different. So we, we, we you know, behavioral health covers a lot of – it's a very broad uh, uh, stroke that you can say what, what behavioral health covers. But – you know, substance abuse and mental health is probably the two most prominent ones. So what, what I tell people who ask me, they'll say, well, I thought it was just drug and alcohol treatment. So still that for sure. It's always been the, the other thing as well. But now the difference is if you don't have any substance abuse problems, but you're, but you're not feeling right, you're depressed or you're anxious or whatever it is, you can go in and they'll give you an evaluation. Yeah, we, I mean, we have many people that come into our treatment center, even our inpatient, that don't have any substance abuse problems. Uh, it's strictly mental health, and and you know, again, you know, you, you, we don't want to put that stigma of ment- what mental health is because there's a lot of things that fall under that. You know, you know, trauma, PTSD, things like that, and grief and loss. There's a lot of things that you're feeling, so you know, we want to be that resource where you can come, especially in our community. So you know, our local community. That's why we're we're expanding to Philadelphia and Lansdale and and New Jersey about having. You know, a, 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 a local place that you can be their community resource for not just coming at the treatment, but to ask questions. Well, and that's uh, important. Let's talk about the, this, the, the sort of satellite uh, situations you're talking about. Philadelphia and Lansdowne are going to be the, the first, I guess, the first examples of that. Do people, how, how does that work for folks? Um, who Do they have to be referred by a physician or can they walk in? Yeah, they can walk in. They can call. I mean, we have a, a general number of people who can call. Uh, Again, you know, being in, in the local communities to have this kind of resource that people can come in and, and, and get an assessment and, and find out what, what do they need? What, what is the proper uh, uh, level of treatment that they need at this time? One of the things that you, when you talk about love, community involvement, w- one of the things I've seen, and I know you've seen it for many years, uh, is that when this, when this, these problems strike a community, whether they are uh, violence as a result of a mental health problem or more, more likely, whether substance abuse descends upon their community, um, they, they are mobilized. Uh, but very often they don't know. They don't. Well, what do I do? Where, where yeah. you know, where do I turn? What, what can communities be doing? Well, what, I mean, just one of the things I'm very proud of in, in Florida. One of our our, our uh, 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 community liaisons is actually a therapist who was one, our first responder for uh, the Parkland shootings. 
and she was actually on, on the panel also, and she, she's an unbelievable therapist, and 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 gets on a level with these young kids that they understand. Liza, her, Liza, she, yeah, she's just she's she was amazing. Uh, so you know, again, having resources when when you know, unfortunately, when there is a catastrophe, and and and, and we have people like Liza and, and other people who volunteer their time to come in. And, and, and talk to people and, and, and guide them on what the next step should be. Because, you know, when something like that happens, it, it doesn't just affect the people who were in the shootings. It affects a whole community and, and even sometimes outside of that where they don't just, you know, they feel helpless and hopeless. So we, we, we need them to feel like there is support and that you can get it. You just need to reach out. There are, the ironies abound in a situation where you have an epidemic of any kind, but certainly the, the drug and alcohol epidemic, uh, opioid epidemic, uh, and now an epidemic of violence, uh, apparently. Um, w- one of the things that happens is that people, as you just said, recognize themselves as stakeholders. Yeah. I have a, I have a stake in it. When you have people saying to you, you know, I go to a, I go to a movie theater now. I'm looking for the exits. Figure out how to get. Yeah. They have a, a role to play in this, so it's um, valuable to know that there are, you know, outreaches into those communities where yeah. people can get answers. Especially people who are really entrenched in their community, been there forever. They want to make sure their community stays whole. And, you know, and, and unfortunately, these small towns where something happens. You know, it, it kind of you know puts a stain on that community, and the community wants you to know we're not all like that. You know, in, in El Paso, the person who did the shooting wasn't even from El Paso; came down from a different city, and the people band together. You know, unfortunately, and it's happened. In, I remember in New York when nine eleven happened. Sometimes it takes a catastrophe for bringing the whole community together. It is the irony of them. It, it is, and 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 again, you know, with 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 addiction and and mental health. You know, that brought a community together also, getting some kind of understanding. But we're not there yet. You know, we still have to knock down those stigma and those barriers of, of, of getting the right help, what people need at the right time. You know, you have been uh, in this field, uh, man and uh, boy, for <laughs> four <laughs> decades now. I mean, four decades. That's, that, you've got, you know, you've got a, a, a broad view of this situation. Looking back over the arc of that, yeah. what – where are we with regard to, to all the issues we've been discussing? Where, where do you think we are? Well, yeah, that's that's a, that's a good question because I've I've seen the whole gamut. I've seen I've seen not only this industry change. I've seen you know people change and and what's going on. And and, and drugs are a lot different than it was forty years ago. Uh, mental health is more prominent. People are talking about it now. You know these unfortunate, you know, mass shootings that's happening now on a on an unfortunate regular basis. Uh, you know, people are talking about what's the cause of that and and finding out that kids suffered from mental illness who who did that and went unidentified. You know, when when you and I were growing up, Steve, you know, we we didn't talk about you know mental health issues with anybody. I mean, you know, we'd use the word crazy, you're crazy, and this and that. We don't want to use those terminologies because we don't want to label someone something and then they're afraid to have that label and we don't get the cure or talk about the real problems at hand. So we we have to be careful what we say and what we you know you know PC is a, a lot of different uh, you know definitions for it but one of them is how we label people. No, absolutely. You know we we you know we use the word crazy so loosely 
and and we all we're all guilty of that. No, no one's not guilty of that. But but think about it. you know, if someone's coming to you for help, you don't go, oh, you're just a little crazy. You know, that's not what you want to hear. That in in the substance abuse field, we we've we've made some headway. And I know you're right. People go, oh, you're prettying it up. I can't call them junkies. Well, right. you can call them whatever you want, right. but you're minimizing the whole issue when of you course. do that. And that's the, you know, I always tell people this. You know, people love to tell, talk about. My bad behavior is because I'm an addict. I said, no, your bad behavior is not because you're an addict. Your bad behavior is because you're just not a good person right now. <laughs> because you're behaving <laughs> you, you, badly. Yeah, right. You need you need to stop using excuses and putting labels on it. We need to get rid of labels. That's for sure. Well, if the, if the general public is comfortable labeling people simply, why shouldn't the uh, yeah. the uh, uh, the sick person go, yeah, they must be right. Yeah. It's easy. It's an, it's, a, it's an excuse. It's one of the things that's so very difficult because we all bristle. We see the crazy example. The crazy. We see the uh, – Goofy examples of, of political correctness. Oh, goofy's better. Well, you, know, when, you know what I mean. And yeah. so it's hard to defend political correctness. No, of course not. But when, it's not easy to change the culture and, and change our vocabulary because you know it, we, we're so used to it. It's ingrained in us forever. Well, as long as Berkeley is willing to change the manhole covers to whatever they're calling them now, right. uh, we'll at least have that as counterpoint. Yeah, that's PC. What right. we're talking about is something different. It's very important. I yes. tell people all the time, what you call something is very important. It is. It's gotten more important over the years, yes. too. Because uh, you uh, you change the words, you change the way you think about it. That's right. that's, that's That's for sure. Uh, so, uh, you know, with with regard to this, you know, 40, 40 years, you, you've... Are you you must be hopeful that we're we're seeing our way through some of the some of the difficulties. I, I'm always hopeful, Steve. I always believe that you know people are inherently good, and I think with the with the you know the right treatment that they need or just the right push that they need, they're, they're going to succeed. I, I you have to think that way. You know, I, I hate seeing people who have that feeling of hopelessness because there is hope, and people need to be inspired. To get to that, and I think that, in, not just from retreat, but in, in our field in general, I think therapists are probably the, the the easiest people to inspire them because they're they're hearing their you know they're bearing their souls to them, and and to be positive and say you know what it can get better. So I I, I I'm never going to lose that. I'm I'm always think that you know we can make a difference and we can make a change. I think we're getting more and more people going into this field as well. Uh, mental health field and substance abuse uh, treatment. I mean, as you know, a, a large portion used to be made up of, of former users, and that's changing. No. Um, uh, and and I think that has to do with this awareness that uh, that you know, just listening and guiding people. Uh, yeah. keep, keep, you got to keep the light and on. No, and nothing wrong with former users going to no. this field because you know, talking about your experience and anything you do is 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 your expertise. Is you were there, and look what I am now. So, you know, going, getting your education, and doing all that is great. Peter Shore, our guest. Peter is the founder and CEO of Retreat Behavioral Health. We're going to tie this whole thing off in a little bow straight ahead. This is Recovery Radio. Don't go away. Welcome back, everybody, to Recovery Radio. Steve Martorano is my name. I hope you're finding the program. By the way, it is now available everywhere. Better podcasts can be uh, found. And that's, you know, Google Listen and Apple and the whole the whole thing. We're everywhere. Spotify, Pandora. Uh, look for Recovery Radio. You got. I think you have to put my name in because there may be more than one, and then then we'll come up. And all the shows are archived there. And of course, we're broadcast uh, locally in the Philadelphia area. 
uh, on Saturdays at 6 o'clock. Peter Shore is the man who makes that possible because he pays the freight. CEO and founder of uh, Retreat Behavior Health has been our guest today. We always appreciate uh, Peter's uh, time with us. So, Peter, we talked a lot about who the stakeholders are in both these areas, the areas of behavioral health, mental health, and drugs. We've talked about what people can do, what your industry has been doing and changing, attitudes about all this. Let's focus in this last thing on what role government has in this. Lately, we're hearing a lot of talk, and we always do. We got to do more about mental health. We got to do more about mental health. And I'm particularly curious about the insurance industry, and I know you spend a lot of time dealing with those people. Mm. Talk about paying the freight. Let's begin with the insurance companies, for instance, with an added uh, heightened focus on the mental health aspect that's plaguing the country. Are insurance companies more forthcoming to fund that kind of treatment than they have been historically to just uh, substance abuse? How are they reacting? It depends on the level of treatment. On the residential side, uh, not so much because they really want you just to stabilize the patient. Uh, on the outpatient side, though, it, it, it is a long-term commitment from an insurance company for when patients come in, especially with mental health issues. So on that side, it, it, they're doing fine. And the residential side, again, it's about stabilization and, 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 and doing some medication management and, and things like that. So I, I think on, on the mental health side, we're making strides. I think they understand that not dealing with the mental health aspect of it, the addiction piece just gets blown out of proportion and, and nothing changes. So they like to see like facilities like ours who are looking at the patients more on a holistic level, not just dealing with the addiction piece, but dealing with the whole mental health, health aspect of it. Can you spend a moment explaining to people uh, what I know the difference between an, uh, an outpatient treatment facility and a residential, but in terms of mental health, who who – Describe somebody who would qualify for residential treatment. What kind of uh, illnesses would they be suffering from? Well, a, a residential – if someone who's suffering from mental health and coming in for a, uh, a residential treatment, you know, if they get two weeks, it would be a lot of time. And I, there's, it, it, it's a full gamut of, of, of different disorders that they might have. And, and what they'll do is stabilize that patient, uh, stabilizing meaning especially if someone's suicidal or – or someone who has, uh, you know, bipolar disorder or schizophrenia that's not uh, compliant on their medication. So we need to stabilize them on medication and make sure they're compliant with it so they can function in the outside world. Uh, I, I, I don't know if I told you this story once. When we first started in, in, in uh, Florida dealing with the local VA, they wanted to give us a test patient. And the first test patient they gave us was a schizophrenic who was not compliant with that medication with a fractured jaw. That was the first patient. I mean, you're talking about a schizophrenic who's not compliant with that medication is not an easy person to, to, to deal with and to help. But, you know, we, we were persistent. You know, we got him his help that he needed for his joy. He had air wired. Uh, we, we convinced him that his medication was his, was his best option, that, you know, if he did that, he would feel better and function. And unfortunately, he was with us. For 30 days because he did have a substance abuse problem too. When that patient left, you wouldn't even recognize them or know it was the same patient that came in. Compliant with that medication, the jaw was fixed, the wires were taken out. A gentleman, his addiction under control, it's a, a year later, still doing fine, compliant with that medication. And, and it just goes to show you that, you know, don't give up on people yeah. because they have, you know, when someone gets labeled a schizophrenic, uh oh. The world's going to end. It's not. 
Well, we've moved a great, I mean, talk about advances. There was a time in the bad old days when the role of society was to identify those people mm-hmm. and then put warehouse them. them. Yeah. Just put them someplace away from the rest of it because there was Unfortunately, though, when they did that with the psych hospitals, you know, the politicians decided years ago, oh, let's empty the psych hospitals and close the psych hospitals. And our homeless population went through the roof because these people can't function without, you know, proper medication or, or therapy. You know, again, that's that's the government saying, you know, we don't need it on one side, but look what we caused on the other side. You know, years ago they had the parity law, which insurance companies could not discriminate against mental health or substance abuse. They, they, don't, they never follow. No one, no one really follows that law. So, and no regulatory agency governs it. So, nothing's really happened. Yeah, I remember very vividly. I was working in New York City at the time when this notion of, and I remember the name of the book, the book that caused a sensation was called The Myth of Mental Illness. And uh, it was it's, it was suggested by a very reputable psychotherapist that this was a manufactured uh, condition that, uh, you, and you should let these people out. How'd that work out? Well, you, you lived in New York. How do you think yeah, it worked we out? we had clean uh, windshields for a while. Yeah, that's, that's right. But it, 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 was, it was horrifying. Yes, it was. People lived that way. I mean, Unfortunately, I didn't live much better in state state run psychiatric hospitals, but it was just horrifying seeing people who are suffering like that and not being able to get the help that they need. The final big player here, this is the six hundred pound gorilla in this whole equation is that's that's the government, both local and certainly federal. A lot of talk now about more funding for mental health. Um, is that going to happen? Uh, you know as as the the you know the uh, Medicaid facilities and Medicare, they, they ha- always had access to get uh, treatment that, that was needed. Unfortunately, their reimbursement was so low, so they didn't have the proper uh, staffing ratios that were needed to really make a difference. But on the private sector side, it's not there yet. And, you know, they need to be able to if, – if, if someone is, is in dire need of, of mental health treatment – Give them the time. Let them do it. I know it's – look, it's always about dollars and cents with, with insurance companies, but they're making a fortune. You know, let's make a conscious effort to help the people who need help. And if – look, you know, doctors have abused our system with insurance goes, so they're a little gun shy. But if, if someone is in need of treatment and it's – and you could show that, you know, don't come up with some criteria that you make up that they don't need this kind of treatment. Well, you know, you're going to pay for it one way or another. Of course. So you might as well do it ahead of time rather than when it's too late. Peter Short, thanks so much, Peter, not only, you know, obviously for your support of the program, but for your time. We appreciate it and your work. Thank Thank you, Steve. Thanks a lot. Uh, That's it for us. Uh, Keep an eye out for Recovery Radio. See you later. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. 